welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Guys, we're starting a new, we're going to start a new series, and we are calling it Foundations, and we're jumping into the book of Romans. Okay, I was excited about it. I can tell, I can tell you are as well. Uh, I'm real excited about this. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them with me to the book of Romans. That's in the New Testament, just to clarify. And I'm getting all of my little things here ready to go and trying to find out how to organize them here on my stand. Um, the book of Romans was written by Paul, who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. Um, And most of the things that Paul wrote were letters to churches that he was involved in forming or governing or giving leadership to. And most of those letters were written addressing specific issues and things that were happening in those cities, in those areas, problems inside the church. This is how you should deal with crazy people. This is what the Bible says about, this is what the gifts of the Spirit are. Let's talk about this. Let me help you walk through these things. The book of Romans is the only letter that Paul wrote that isn't addressing a specific issue. And in fact, Paul, when he wrote Romans, had never been to the city of Rome before. He didn't know these people. He had never been there. Paul didn't start a church in the book of in, in the book of Romans. Paul didn't start a church in the city of Rome. These were people that he wrote a letter to that he was hoping to go visit one day. And so because he wasn't addressing some specific topic, like, hey, your, your people are crazy. And when they get together and they're taking communion like we took today, they're like all eating. They've got their elbows out and they're sitting down at the table, butting people out of the way so that they get all the food they want. And he says, you shouldn't act like that. When You should eat at home if you're hungry so that when you come together and take the Lord. You know, he's talking about specific things, but the book of Romans is more of a theological discussion. Paul talking about the theology of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we call it foundations, because we're going to work our way through the book of Romans so that we have a strong foundation built on the inside of us about who Jesus is, what he came to do, the work that he came and did for us, the purpose of the gospel message, what that means for us today, and how we are supposed to act as believers. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to tell you all something else. By the way, we had, um, we had our next-gen night Thursday night. Where's all the, all the next-gen people that were there? All right, we had next-gen night Thursday night, and I just want you to know, I told your next-gen people, you weren't there because you were working, we had a great prayer service just for you, so that you would, I'm just, I'm teasing Jaden. Um, but I told them, I said, guys, listen, here's what I want to do. When we come to church on Sunday mornings, I want you to be hooting and hollering. I want you to outpraise your parents. I want you to be more enthusiastic about what the Lord is saying than your parents are. Now, parents, here's what I want to say to you. I want you, I, I told your kids you weren't there, but I said to all the people, I said, I want you to outpace your parents. Parents, 
I want you to outpace your kids. Parents, I want you to be an example to your kids. When you come to church, that you are leading your family, that you are leading your home. So when your kids see you worshiping the Lord, they don't see you standing there with your arms folded and your hands in your pocket like, man, I can't wait for this to be done so we can go home and go to Sizzler. You guys remember Sizzler? Oh, I used to love Sizzler. Ah! I had a friend that we had to go to Vancouver once a month for a, for a doctor checkup he had. And every time we went to Vancouver, we got to stop and go to Sizzler. And it was like the highlight of my month. And some of us are sitting in church being like, I can't wait to be done because I'm going to the Chinese buffet. Do they still have? Yeah, they do. They do. So what I want to say to you is parents, 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 look around. I want you to lead your kids. I want you to show your kids how they're supposed to act in the house of the Lord. When you're having worship, I want you with your hands raised up and your hands clapping. And maybe, maybe, maybe if the spirit moves you, you get the old Pentecostal two-step going on. And, you know, you do whatever crazy leg dance or whatever you got to do. But I want you. And kids, I want you to try and outpace your parents. I want you to show your parents, hey, I'm serious about this. It's not just my relationship. It's not just your relationship. It's my relationship too. So just so you know, just so we're all on the page, so you know, same page, so you know what I'm telling your kids, I'm telling you the same thing too. Let's go. Let's have some church. So anyways, back to Paul. Uh, He wrote this letter. He wrote it in about um, AD 58, and he wrote it from the city of Corinth, and um, he was writing it, sending it to the Romans to introduce himself to them, saying, this is who I am, and let me give you some background on the gospel, the word of God. This is what it's about. Um, uh, I was going to read you something from this commentary, but I'm not going to. I was going to show you. I like to, when I study the word of God, I like to really understand what's happening in the background and why things are done the way they are done. And if you ever read, like, have you ever read one of Paul's letters? Dear Lord, I hope every hand in this room goes up. <laughs> As a pastor, I hope we all have read at least one of Paul's letters. If you ever notice, Paul's letters follow a certain formula, right? Like there's always a greeting. There's always a prayer. There's always giving thanks. Then there's the point of his message, and then he ends his messages with um, saying names, like say hi to this person, say hi to that person. Um, so what's really interesting to note is that wasn't just some weird quirk that Paul had. It wasn't just some churchy letter thing to do. That's how you wrote letters in the church. This was how they wrote letters everybody back then. And in one of these commentaries, they actually posted a letter from a guy um, uh, named Antion, I think, who had been sent off to battle in the Roman army, and he wrote a letter home to his dad, and they have found thousands of letters written in this time frame because of the papyrus paper they were written on, and they don't deteriorate unless they get water on them. And so anyways, all letters that they found, all the letters they found were written in this same formula. Even non-Christian-y letters, even letters that weren't to churches. The one they showed here in this book was a letter that was written from a son to his dad after he got shipped off to war, letting his dad know that he made it home safe and sound, or he made it to the wherever they were going safe and sound and say hi to this person, and I prayed to my gods that, that you guys are all doing well. It was very similar to Paul's letter, and it's because that's how they wrote letters back then. And I find that stuff interesting. It helps me put things in context when I study the Word of God. So Paul, he follows the same outline in his letters. So are you guys already in the book of Romans? Of course you are. You guys are just amazing. You're way ahead of me. I don't even have my Bible open yet, Jeremiah. I don't know what's going on here, man. Um, So in Romans chapter 1, it was written in AD 58. 
And Paul had just finished up. He'd been going around. If you've read any of Paul's letters, he'd been going around collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. And he was just about to go off and go try and give this money to the church in Jerusalem that he'd been collecting from all these other churches that he was a part of. So he writes this letter asking them to pray for him, introducing himself. Because if, like I said before, if you've read any of Paul's letters, he mentions frequently how he wants to go to Rome, how he desires to go to Rome. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you come across this in Paul's letters? I want to go to Rome, but I was stopped. I was hindered. I couldn't make it. The Lord didn't let me go. So he's trying to get to Rome. And so we're going to pick up here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start. And it says this. This letter is from Paul. Okay, that's easy. That's his name. Hi, I'm Paul. Nice to meet you. This is what I call myself, Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. Hi, my name's Paul. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Man, there's a lot of stuff in this one verse that we're going to talk about for just a moment. And I don't know, maybe we'll get to verse 2. I'm sure we will. Don't worry. But I want to talk about verse 1 for a minute. Paul starts off saying, this is my name. I'm Paul. And then his next, his very next thought, his very next phrase that he forms is, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Greek, this word's really interesting, and it has two meanings. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And in the Greek, that word is doulos. Okay, and it means this. It's one who is in permanent relation to another and his will, so Paul's will, being altogether consumed in the will of the other. So Paul is in a permanent relation. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. So he's in permanent relation to Jesus and Paul's will is being altogether consumed in the will of God. How great is that? So good, isn't it? My name's Paul, and just so you know, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And my whole life, everything I think about and everything I try and do is consumed with the will of my master, God. Now look at this. So Paul uses the word doulos here, and I, I don't have it written down on the slides, but when he talks about, if you've read again the letters of Paul, he talks about Jesus being his Lord a lot, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? All right. And now we've talked off and on. We haven't preached a sermon recently about it. We've talked a lot about how Jesus is our Lord and Savior and how many of us respond to Jesus as our Savior, but not necessarily as Jesus as our Lord. Jesus saved me. He saved me from my sins. He saved me from my sickness. He saved me from the storm of my life that I was going through. But a lot of us pause at that Lord part. But Paul, when he's talking about in his letters, when he talks about right here, he talks about how God is his Lord. Now, the Greek word for Lord is kurios, and it means this, someone Guys, I love this. I'm going to say it slow because I hope you write this down or it gets scarred in your brain. It says, someone who has undisputed possession of a person or thing. Someone who has undisputed possession of a person or thing. So Paul, when he's introducing himself right off the bat, after he gives his earthly name, he says, this is the next thing that I want you to know about me. I am a slave. My life is consumed with the will of God. And my master 
has undisputed control over where I go, what I do, and what I say. I surrender my life to him. Isn't that great? Right off the bat, this is what he's talking about. Now listen, the next thing, I told you this word doulos had two meanings, and it does. So the one is like a slave. But the other thing that Paul was saying here was if you look in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, talking about Moses, and if you look in Joshua, I think chapter 24, at the end, it talks about Joshua. And if you look in Amos and Jeremiah, it talks about the prophets. And in all of those scriptures, it talks about how those people were servants or doulos of the Lord, as in they had surrendered their life to God and their greatness and who they were and the glory that they had, had, had seemingly had because people say, oh, Moses, or oh, Joshua led us, right? They took us here and they took us into the promised land, Joshua, or the prophets, the prophets always have a word from the Lord for us. And people say, oh man, these people are amazing. But what Paul is saying here is my greatness is not in who I am, but in being a servant of the Lord, Come on. <laughs> my greatness isn't in the things that I have accomplished of my own hand. My greatness isn't how good of a speaker I am or how great I can write all these letters because I wrote Romans and I wrote First and Second Corinthians and I wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, First and Second Timothy and whatever other books I wrote. I wrote those books. Aren't I amazing? Isn't that great for me? No, my greatness is in being surrendered and being a servant where my life is consumed by the will of my master. So in a letter that he is writing to people that he's never met before, and you say to yourself, well, I've never met Willow before, and I'm going to go introduce myself to Willow, and so what do I want Willow to know? Well, obviously Willow has to know what to call me. Hi, I'm Paul. Just to start this conversation, I'm Paul. Here's something you should know about me. My life is not my own. I am a servant, and my life is consumed by the will of my master. And I know because he is my savior, and he is my Lord. He is my curios. And so my life is undisputedly his. There's no question about where I go and what I do. And here, look at this. The next line, man, we're really making headway in this verse, aren't we? The next line, he says, this is a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. So right here he's saying, I'm a slave, and this is what my master has for me to do. I was chosen to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. Listen, when we think of slaves or we think of masters, we think of people that have, you know, people that work for them. When we were in Calgary, um, we had friends that were from South Africa. And in South Africa, they would have um, servants. It was very common for them to have servants. They had old big plantations, and they had these people that would come and work on their property, work the land, work in the house, and it was just a very common thing to do. And what would happen was the people who were the bosses, the masters, the masters of the house would be like, okay, let's go to work, and Chad, I want you to do this. Leaf, I want you to do this. Michael, I want you to do this. Steven, I want you to do this. Gary, you go out in the field today, and I want you to do this. And they did whatever the master said. 
said, and so Paul is introducing himself to complete strangers, and he said, I am a slave of Christ Jesus, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out. God sent me out. This is what he said for me to do. Paul, I want you to go out and go preach the good news. So let me ask you this question. Nobody's got a shout out an answer. But how surrendered is your life? What kind of doulos are you? Is God really your curios? Is God completely having undisputed control in your life? I was talking to somebody the other day. Listen, I was, I was having a conversation with a mature believer not three months ago. And this mature believer made the statement to me where they said, well, I just make plans for my life and tell God this is what we're doing. And now you need to get on my side and bless what we're doing. And I said, good Lord. Good luck, because what that is, is you have just put yourself in the role of the master and are trying to make the Lord your servant. When you tell the Lord, this is what we're doing, you come and bless it, you've reversed the roles, and that don't work. Mm -mm, At all, you've got it backwards. What kind of life are you living? If you wrote a letter to somebody, could you say, hi, my name is blank and this is who I am? Could you honestly write those words and not feel like I'm writing a lie right now? I had another conversation just last week. And there is something happening in the world where people just feel like all day long, They can make decisions. Believers all day long can make decisions regardless of what the Lord may think or feel or have planned for their life. I don't know what's happening. That don't make no sense to me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who comes along and makes him my Savior, but my Lord, I no longer have a choice really in what I say and do and where I go. My life should be submitted to him. So I say, what do you think about this? Should I move across the country? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Where am I supposed to go? No, what you need to do first and foremost, is to be a good doulos and surrender yourself and submit yourself and say that I was chosen by God to be, I was, God chose me to go here, God chose me to be this, God said to me, I want you to go do this over there, and then I went and did it. (laughs) 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 Doulos. So, Verse 2, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, Paul takes a moment to begin to explain what this good news is. And he says, um, this good news is about his son in his earthly life. He was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege, or New King James says, grace and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles, that is people who are not Jews, everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey, bringing glory to his name. So Paul takes a moment. He said, God sent me, in verse 1, God sent me to go be an apostle and to proclaim the good news to everybody I go and see. 
And he says, by the way, let's just recap what the good news is. Because he's writing to what was the greatest city in the greatest empire ever to that point. Rome was taking over the world, right? We've all seen Gladiator. We know how that works. And so that's what was happening. So Paul was writing this letter to these Romans and saying, listen, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. And in the Roman pantheon, there were so many gods, wasn't there? There was gods for everything. And so he is speaking to people that may read his letter that might not believe in Jesus yet. And so he gives a brief recap about who God is. And this is who God is. And listen, I know that you know who Zeus is, and I know that you know who Hercules is, and I know you know about heroes in battle and all these kind of things, but let me tell you about Jesus, who was God incarnate, who came down from heaven. It says, it says this, um, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family. He was a real life person. He was a real life God who came down from heaven into the earthly form of a man. And he came into King David's family and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about, hey, listen, this good news is about Jesus Christ who maybe you've heard of all kinds of gods. Maybe you've worshiped all kinds of things. But let me tell you about Jesus who was God, who is God, who came down from heaven into our world, into our life, who was a man. He was God incarnate and who gave his life and died and was rose from the dead. We talk about resurrection and incarnation. This is the brief description of what Paul is saying, the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. So that, everybody say, so that. Say, so that. They will. Believe and what? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's the big O word. Whew. Believing's easy. Obedience seems to be the tough one. Isn't that true? Whew. I can believe all day long, but when God says, this is what I want you to do, then we're like, oh, man. I don't think that's the Lord talking to me because that don't make no sense. Well, children, let me tell you something. Most of the things the Lord will tell you will not make sense. When God calls you to go and do something, generally it's something that you can't do on your own. If you can do it in your own strength, in your own power, and your own ability, then most likely it's not the Lord talking to you. Most likely it's you coming up with a great idea. And he says, uh, I'm going to go preach the gospel, tell the Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, Thank you, Jesus, so that, I'm going to tell them what Jesus has done, so that they will believe and obey, bringing glory to his name. So that they will believe and obey, bringing glory to his name. There needs to be these two components in every believer's life. You've got to believe on Jesus Christ, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ, in the work that he has done, the finished work, like Pastor Blake was talking about during communion this Sunday. You've got to believe in it, and then you've got to obey what he says to you. Oh, man. Listen, I don't know about you all, but I grew up in the spanking era. <laughs> Who knows about the spanking era? 
And listen, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Me and Josiah were just talking the other day, and Josiah was, how, how did you call it? White parents? White parents? Yeah. Josiah, Josiah, we're white. In case you didn't notice, our family's white. And so Josiah has like a lot of, he's got friends that, all different colors, but he was talking to some white friends, and they were talking about having white parents. Oh, you've got white parents, right? And Josiah said, yeah, but I don't have, like, white parents. You know what white parents are? Do you know what white parents are? White parents are like, oh, that's, oh, no, I don't want you, no, don't do that. Ah, oh, let's, you know, white parents have, like, we have, like, these crazy kids' names, like, Aquafina. Aquafina, although she's not white. But we have all these weird names. We come up with our kids, and then we chase them around. And, oh, I just, this is my toddler. I let them choose for themselves what they want to do. And, and I, I, I know I never tell my child no. That word damages them. If they, if they hear the word no, it damages their psyche, and they can't grow up and be normal human people. What happens if I say no to my child, and they cry? They'll be ruined for life. No, they'll know what the word no means. That's a message, right? And so Josiah was saying, hey, listen, I, um, his friends were like, yeah, but you got white parents. He's like, I don't have, I, yes, my parents are white, but they are not white parents. My family is from the south. My family grew up in the, in the, in the almost dirty south down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we're a different breed down there. And so... I grew up in the Spakin era. I grew up with like, I had to obey. And if I didn't obey, there was consequences for my lack of obedience. But something happens in the kingdom of God in 2021 where we want to believe, but we don't want to obey. We want God to work in our life, but don't tell me what to do. I want to live my life my way, and I want you to bless what I'm doing because it feels good on me. Don't tell me I can't do this. Don't tell me that you want me to go over here. Don't tell me that you want me to say that to that person. I want to do it my way. But you've got to believe and obey what he says to you so that it brings glory to his name. Come on. He says, this is the purpose of the good news, the gospel message, telling people all that Jesus has done for them so that they believe and obey. Because when you believe and you obey, there is transformation that takes place. It's when you stop believing and stop obeying that transformation stops in your life. You can't remove either the believe or the obey from the, equ the equation. They've both got to be in there. Hmm. Verse 5, hey? We made it to verse 5. It says, verse 6, and you are all included among these Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And that word grace there is unmerited favor. And that word peace there means harmony, health, welfare, and prosperity. And I want to tell you today, right now, if you are looking for grace, if you are looking for unmerited favor in your life, if you are looking for favor that doesn't seem fair to everybody else, let me tell you this, favor ain't fair. And in 2001, not everything's fair, is it? And it doesn't have to be fairs. It doesn't have to be samesies. God is giving you grace, unmerited favor, and he wants to give you peace. And where are grace and peace found? They are found in the presence of 
God our Father and Jesus Christ. So if you need grace in your life, if there's situations where you need unmerited favor in your life, if there's things that you're going through, you need, I need grace for this moment in time. I need grace in this situation. Now where are you going to go? You need to go to the presence of your Father. If you need peace in your home, if you need peace in your mind, if you need peace in your relationships, where do you need to go? You need to run to the presence of Jesus Christ because because Paul is saying grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me. This is as far as we're going to go today. Do you have something you want to say? Okay. Praise Jesus. I want to encourage you all on your own time when you're reading the Bible. And I want to make sure that you hear me say this frequently. Read your Bibles. When you are reading your Bibles, I want to encourage you to begin to read through Romans with us. I want you to begin on your own time. Pastor Jen's going to preach next week. And I think she's going to start off in verse 16 probably. So I want you to read those next few verses. And when you read the Word of God... Don't blow through it. Don't get through it as fast as you can. We stopped off at the end of verse 5, right? No. But we got to the end of verse 7. So you got verse 8 to 16 to read. And I want you to mull over that next eight verses. And I ask the Spirit of God to give you your own thoughts, to give you revelation and wisdom and insight into those verses to see what he's talking about. Because we are wanting to form foundations inside of us that will carry us forward into the future. Because, friends, from here on out, things aren't going to get bright and sunny all the time. In fact, they'll probably get a whole lot darker and a whole lot scarier and a whole lot unsure of ourselves. And we need to have a firm foundation found solely in Jesus Christ and God our Father. You can't get away from reading your Bible, from praying worshiping Jesus. I don't care how old you are. You could be in this room, be 200 years old, and I would tell you, you need to read the Word of God. You could be eight years old, and I say, hey, you need to get a picture Bible out, and you need to start opening that thing up, and you need to look at those pictures, and you need to go ask your mom and dad to tell you those stories. You need to crack open this little cartoon Bibles with, with, with Audrey and just start going through and telling the stories of the Bible. There ain't nothing wrong with that. In fact, my first Bible was one of those cheesy uh, comic book Bibles. But those things get inside of your spirit, and it makes something come alive in you. That when you're facing the storms of life, when you're facing trials, when you're facing temptations, something is triggered on the inside of you because you have a foundation that is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ and the message of the good news. And so it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, we were singing that song, Surrounded, at the beginning. And I was thinking about that line. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And man, I wish I could, I wish we had one of those cool TVs where I could like draw notes on it and you could see while I'm drawing the notes because I love to doodle. But as we sang that song, I saw a picture with us at the middle. Right, we're singing, it may look like I'm surrounded. So there's you 
and there's a big circle around you and it looks like everywhere you look every direction you look it looks like man i'm surrounded there's no way out of here man i'm in a tight spot i can't get out of this but the next line says but i'm surrounded yes. by you and what the lord showed me was yes here you are in the middle of a circle and sure there's a big circle around you where it looks like you're surrounded on all sides and you can't get out but guess what between you in that outside circle there's a buffer of the lord and his grace and his protection and his strength and you're saying it looks like i'm surrounded but really i'm surrounded by you and so even though in the natural i'm looking and i see all these things and i can't find a way through it suddenly i'm aware suddenly my foundation is found in the good news of jesus christ and the work of the cross and i realize that i'm really not surrounded by those things that I think I'm surrounded by, but I'm surrounded by you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawing closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.